Welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Dead Stripper Podcast. But a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, into Chapter 4 of Dead Stripper, where we pick up Steve getting home at 4.30 in the morning with no idea that he's about to get a kick in the nuts. Scene 12, 4.30 a.m., Jefferson Court Apartments, Clifton Heights. It's still dark outside by the time I get home. I'm tired as hell, but something needs addressing before I can even think about going to sleep. I open the door to my apartment, take 10 steps down the hall to reach the living room. The room's rectangular in shape, but it's more like an office than a living room. A gray sofa sits next to the wall on the right. I picked it out at Raymore and Flanagan because it's 90 inches long and allows me to stretch out and take a nap without folding my legs. A coffee table sits in front of the sofa, but the sofa and coffee table are the only pieces of living room furniture in the living room, unless you count the big screen TV on the opposite wall. A wide desk butts up against the wall to the left of the TV, a three-drawer file cabinet sits to the right of the desk, and a tall bookcase sits to the left of the desk. One look at the bookcase leaves little doubt about my focus. In Cold Blood, The Godfather, The Carpetbaggers, Helder Skelter, Born to be Wild, Silence of the Lambs, Compulsion, God's Pocket, Mitigating Circumstances, Rosemary's Baby, Cape Fear, Nightmare in Pink, The Black Dahlia, Mr. Majestic, Glitz, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Adventurers, The Dreadful Lemon Sky, and The Volachi Paper, a black leather executive chair, one that leans back and swivels, sits in front of the desk. I settle into the executive chair. A laptop sits on the desktop and a printer sits off to the left. I open the laptop and make a couple clicks to get to my inbox. Here's an email from OneDrive about photos I uploaded yesterday, like I didn't already know that. Here's one from Uber trying to lure me into leasing a vehicle from them. Rip off, not interested. And here's one from the Elry Queen Mystery Magazine. That's what I'm looking for. I cross my fingers, open it, and take a look. Motherfucker! It says, Dear writer, doesn't meet our standards. Shit. Another rejection slip. Short, not sweet. That's three from Ellery Queen to go along with three from the Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine. I wrote six stories and got six rejections so far. This story is called A Taste for Revenge. More than anything else, I want to get my first story published. But it's getting to the point where I suspect the editor see my name and categorize me as a hack. Then they toss my story onto the slush pile without ever reading it and send me the robotic rejection slip. Maybe that Jess was right. Maybe it's time to face the fact that I'm just not good enough. If I can't sell a stinking 5,000 word story to a mystery magazine, how in the world am I ever going to get a book published? They attach my story to the email, so I click the attachment to open the file. It takes 15 minutes to read the story from beginning to end and as objectively as possible. But damn, like I just said, this is a good story. It's one that could be and should be published. A market exists somewhere, I just have to find it. 
And that's the end of Chapter 4. Join us next time for Chapter 5. A whole lot of stuff's going to happen. We'll join Jess and Margo at the Grog Grill for drinks and a crazy idea. We'll drop into the Babes in Toyland Strip Club at happy hour. And we'll venture out to Media Station Apartments to find a dead body. See you next time.